0: You're listening to Freedom Tour Radio and this week we are in Hull. This week we've had an amazing person called Liv join us for this leg of the tour. We've been out on the streets, we've talked to people in the city centre and we've also had a big chat in the park. And at that chat, we heard from people like Emma, a local campaigner who is part of Untold Stories, which is a campaign for sex workers' rights. We also heard from Adam, who participated in a flat pack democracy and tried to get a seat on his local council as an independent. And we had our very own Roman share a fucking empowering story about his granny escaping Nazi Germany and how she used her ingenuity and creativity to get herself out of all kinds of crazy situations and help the Allied forces. So yeah, big up Roman's granny! My
1: name's Liv, Liv Aldridge. Um, I was I was in contact with extinction rebellion on um, on whatsapp and they put me in touch with the freedom tour um, because I was kind of feeling a bit unfulfilled um, in my in the tower I'm studying at the moment and I was looking for people who were um, doing something about about the things that I was concerned about and that's how I met them and then they invited me for a like day of outreach to see what it was like and um and that was really that was really fun and really interesting and the next day um i joined them and yeah i guess i just felt like the whole cause and the whole um the way that they were approaching people and the way that the approach that they took to activism was quite interesting and something that i haven't seen before yeah i guess i just believed in that
2: So yeah, I joined the Freedom Tour in Hull and it was quite a whirlwind, I would say. But um, now when I kind of close my eyes and I imagine myself back there, there's a few things that I see that really stuck with me. I would say firstly, it's the main town square where we rocked up on the first day, um, put the van down, got the tea out, the biscuits out and started chatting to people. And I was nervous um, because, yeah, speaking to people on the streets like that is not necessarily something I would do every day. Um, Asking them quite personal questions of what's up in your life? What do you believe in? Um, What do you want to see in the world? Yeah, I didn't know how I was going to approach that, how it was going to go for me. But then what I really remember from that square and what I want to take with me um, wherever I go next was just that I could really connect with people over a shared sense of curiosity, I would say, curiosity to connect with another human. I felt like it was just so fun to feel like people were on the square were really interested in like, who are these people? what are they doing here and then you could take that and just immediately also then turn it around and be like well we're actually really interested in who you are and what you're doing here and what you think about um on a day-to-day basis um so fun (laughs) and it made the nerves go away really surprisingly quickly for me and it also felt Yeah, in a way, it felt like a form of direct action, you know, something that I wish we all did all the time. Um, So that's the first place I see. Um, Then the second is the the chat in the park that we had. And particularly, I think what really stuck with me was Emma's speech. And I won't say too much about it because I think parts of it are recorded for this episode. But um, what I just remember is how we kind of put her on the spot a little bit. Like we asked her like maybe 10 minutes before. She'd be willing to say something and um, she wasn't sure you know and then she did and she shared these really beautiful words and lessons with us Um, and the campaign the Untold Story campaign um, itself is just so inspiring as well not just because they were successful but also because they really center the people it's about in at the heart of, of what they do or what they have done and that's just really inspiring and probably the reason why they were so successful so yeah beautiful speech hello
3: hello Uh, okay can you hear me yes um i'm not usually the best person to speak for our group but i'm the only one here so Um, I am part of a small collective from Hull, a group of women um, who have been involved in street working in Hull and their supporters and um, speaking out about all kinds of things that um, are often misunderstood. And in particular in Hull, most people aren't aware that there was a uniquely uh, bad (laughs) legal system in the, the red light area which was criminalising people who really didn't need it. So anyway this group of women found the courage to um, stand up to the council and took the council to court and this isn't well known because um, uh, the publicity would have been detrimental to the court case and the people involved so it's still not very well known but this group. Um, of women were successful took the council to court and they had to get rid of this unlawful legislation and now they're working directly with the council to do something better and what i've learned from them which i suppose is the thing that i was thinking what should i say i haven't got very long on but i think the thing that like the main thing i've really learnt from them is and especially for this point in time in history that we're in um you know we're looking at a, a sort of future where we're all going to have to learn how to survive um, in, under new, um, you know, new conditions that we haven't experienced before. And what makes the most sense is to go to people who have already faced um, every single challenge you can imagine and survived and thrives, and then gone and you know. Shown defiance and uh, willingness to keep keep living, and we we need to go to those people and ask you know show us the way. And I and I think that um, Hull is a place. I'm not from Hull, as you can tell, and <laughs> uh, so I feel um, like I can't speak for Hull. But what again? What I've learnt from Hull right, since I've been here is. Um there's a DIY spirit of like survival and thriving and finding ways, um which you know nobody should be ashamed of that because that is what is gonna get the human race through fu- through the future. And um but this you know, like with our groups because of stigma, because of misunderstanding, because of very quick judgments and because of poverty and the systemic injustices um, that we all live under, the people that we need to hear the most from are the people who are pushed more and more to the edges and told that they are wrong, and I think now's the time, you know, in this new space, um, where that wisdom that exists right in front of us under our noses, and there's so much of it in whole, is there for us all to learn from, we don't need to go any further than that, people know how to survive, um,
0: so yeah, that's
3: it. Here,
4: party politics just seems utterly irrelevant. Like, there's 57 councillors in City Hall that are their main responsibility is how best to spend nearly half a billion pounds in Hull. Like, it does not matter whether they're Labour or whether they're Liberal Democrats. We have got two groups of people who do not talk to each other. And I've spent hours, I wish I'd have them back, I've spent hours sifting through how they vote and they will never vote with each other. They just stand at opposite sides saying, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. And what flat pack democracy is, is a commitment to say, okay, we don't need that. We don't need any party politics here in Hull. Yes, Westminster, fine. Yes, MPs, okay, fine. We, until there's a better system, okay. but. Flatpak Democracy started in, in, um, in Froome in Somerset where a group of independent councillors stood and they took every seat and since then that was 2011-ish, 12-ish and since then there has not been any party politics in Froome at all and it's spreading across the country and it's a very easy thing to Google. Flatpak Democracy you can find out a lot about it and recently sort of culminated in me talking to a lot of people around the city some of them are here today and there's an ever-growing group of people who, from that group, we hope, in May, there will be some independent councillors sort of standing kind of as a group, but not as a party. So you, you're free to decide, you're free to chat, you're free to change your mind. All of the things that we don't see, unfortunately, with party politics. So yeah, thanks.
3: I'm
5: just going to... That was amazing. Thank you so much for coming out to say that. And thank you for being here as well. I've heard so many amazing stories as well over there just now, some that have kind of blown my mind a little bit. And the best way to try and tie it together for me, all the things that I'm kind of hearing and all the things I'm going through experiencing at the moment is to tell you guys a story for a second or 10 minutes maybe. <laughs> um, so this story is about my grandmother. <clears throat> her name was Irma. And uh, I never met her. She died before I was born. But um, these stories are passed down to me through my family. Um, so this starts in uh, yeah, 1939, when my grandma was 23 years old. She grew up in Poland also, by the way. My family's from Poland. And um, yeah, when she was 23 years old, Nazi Germany invaded Poland. And they swept through the country in a few weeks. And in that time, everything that she knew and that she took for to be uh, consistent and stable in her life was suddenly turned upside down. Um, in that moment, what she did was join the resistance movement. And that began with very simple acts of flyposting, and yeah, putting out information about what the resistance was doing in that time, which I, I'm sure you can imagine was a very uh, perilous thing to be doing. Could have gotten arrested or maybe killed in that moment. Um, but that's what she kind of started by doing, and she she got more and more involved. She then helped to open a uh, like a Girl Guides hospital in one of the central streets in Warsaw to deal with people who were uh, yeah fighting the war in the resistance. And uh, she did that in the space of like a couple of days in the moment there in Warsaw. And um, then she continued to get more and more involved with the resistance. And she began to, she got asked to take messages to the troops that were based in France. And on her first attempt to try and do this, she was arrested in Czechoslovakia. <clears throat> um, so I'm, get, I'm just a little bit... I'm super nervous actually to be doing this in front of you. I don't know why it's like standing up in front of you with the mic is also a bit scary for me. So I might close my eyes for a second because the story means a lot to me. And so when she was supposed to be taking these messages to the troops in France, she got arrested in Czechoslovakia on her first attempt. But she was so, she was amazing and like super creative. And in that moment, she remembered that Czech people are very superstitious. And so what she did was she convinced her prisoner, uh, her prison officer, that she would curse her entire family if she didn't release her. Again, I don't know if I'm painting a good enough picture because I'm super nervous, but imagine being 23 years old, trying to take information to troops in France when you're leaving Poland for the first time in a war-torn country, and you get arrested and you convince your officer that you're gonna curse their whole family. And she's so compelling with this story that she comes up with that she gets released. And she manages to make her way back to Poland, undeterred she continues further and she gets asked to take more messages and this time she succeeds and she gets to france where she stays for the next two years in that time she enrols in art school she gets super creative and she continues to wait for her next orders for her to continue taking information and this time she gets asked to go to england on her way to gibraltar she crosses the pyrenees which i don't know if anybody's been there these are huge mountains Imagine this again, in this moment in time, still in war torn Europe. She's probably 24 or 25 at this time. And she crosses the Pyrenees to try and take some messages to troops based in England. On her way, she gets to Madrid. So she has a pretty good effort, to be honest with you, to get that far. But she gets arrested in Franco, Spain. And there she spent six months in the prison. I didn't think she had the worst experience of all the people there. The Republicans fighting for an independent Spain, I think, had a much worse time. There was a story that she uh, told my per- my mom about of, uh, you know, being in a shower block and seeing a woman come out and kind of looking at her and wondering why she was wearing this kind of purple costume. And then it dawned on her that she was black and blue from bruising her whole body. So I'm sure she saw terrible things in this moment amongst all of the other stuff that she'd already witnessed. Then she's kind of seeing these things as well. But again, she was super creative and she used to paint portraits of her prison officers then again, and I think she didn't have the worst time in that prison. And they again, continued to, have, to come up with crazy things on the spot, and with all of her ingenuity, having learned, France, having learned French in France, she convinced the people that had her under arrest that she was French-Canadian, and she needed to speak to the British Embassy, eventually managed to get hold of them, and was released eventually after six months back to England, where she spent the rest of her life and uh, she met her future husband in a refugee camp and they had seven daughters and one of those daughters had me. Um, this is the story that I want to tell you. I didn't do a great job of it I think just now but um, there's a few reasons that I want to tell you this story and it speaks to the things that Greg was talking about earlier as well that I think he did an amazing job of and the things that kind of brings us together this freedom tour. Civil, civil disobedience is a, uh, a really important thing that kind of underpins a lot of the ideas that we've been motivated by over the last couple of years and has pushed us to kind of start this tour but so the first reason I wanted to tell you this story about my grandmother and the incredible things that she did was that these, uh, this, this crisis that fell upon her life she wasn't expecting it in 1939 like a lot of people in that period their life was as it was and they weren't expecting their country to be invaded and everything that they take for granted to be turned upside down so let's just to bear that in mind that like we may not expect these crises, but they will come, and life throws in- insane things at you. And the second reason I'll tell you the story is because even in those moments of crises, my aunt, my grandmother, she just responded to them. She didn't have a plan of her kind of contingency of like, if my country goes to war, I'm gonna do this, that and the other. She just responded in that moment because it felt like the right thing to be doing. And her her acts of bravery started very simply, as I say, with flyposting, and they grew and grew as she grew and grew through these incredible experiences that she had till she was doing these courageous things, crossing borders, learning languages, tricking prison officers, doing whatever she needed to navigate these unbelievable moments. And I would say that ingenuity just came from her response, from a gut feeling of feeling this is the right thing to be doing, because it was required of her at that time. Yeah, there's a lot of things I've done over the last few years. I've gotten involved in an organization called Extinction Rebellion. Um, Maybe people here have heard of them and have some opinions on them, maybe not. Um, That's also how I've met all of these folks as well, these incredibly powerful people. And I've done things that I never expected I would have done. It's just I, I kind of at the right, was in the right place at the right time. I came across a non-violent direct action training and I went to something that it just kind of pulled me in and I met loads of incredible people that began talking to me about all kinds of ideas that I'd never considered before and just opened up spaces like this very regularly for me to, to talk with other people and just hear each other, listen to each other and then build a sense of power together. And then through the actions that we did, it was a very tangible feel to the power that we had together and all of us on our own it can feel like we don't have that power but once we do come together and start to have conversations you very quickly see that we do have a lot of power and yeah I I mean I could just done all sorts of crazy things like I said like this blue van that we're driving we use this to block the uh, Murdoch printing distribution centers in Liverpool and because We feel like it's essential for people to listen in these moments to the problems that we're facing. So for my grandmother, her world fell apart because there was a war that tore her country apart. For us, the crisis of our times is climate breakdown. And it's a reality that we have to face. That was another thing I didn't say actually, right? But there are... It's okay to be alarmed about the things that we're facing. Because they are there and we can't ignore them. If we did ignore them, then something would be really wrong. It's okay for us to be alarmed and for us to feel uncomfortable in ourselves because there are problems that we are facing. But the more we have opportunities to come together and talk to each other like this, this is a beautiful thing. And the suggestions that we heard at the beginning, there's amazing work already going on. And these are the steps that we need to start taking very, very quickly to develop a sense of power together. And um, yeah, there's Extinction Rebellion, got actions coming up in August. There's another organization, Insulate Britain, that we'll be around at the end to talk about as well. They're going to be doing actions as well, civil disobedience, to push for the government to insulate all the homes in the UK. We can talk a bit more about that afterwards. But, um, yeah, I just really want to make clear that when we come together, this is when we can develop a sense of power and you can do things that you never would have imagined you've been able to. And you respond to a moment because it's required of you, but we as human beings can do incredible things and we can step up to these moments and all the things that we've found difficult just in coming along today. This is a great start and we need to take it further. And all of us are going to be here at the end. As I say, these are like incredibly powerful people. They're some of the most powerful people I've ever met in my entire life. And they inspire me so much. And we're all going to be here at the end. Really come and talk to us. Because last time I did this as well, people got a little bit awkward about coming to speak to me. I think maybe someone because I stood up and I talked in front of you. I'm just a regular person who fell down a certain path. I've done a lot of things with a lot of special people. Please come and talk to us because we want you to get involved in the things that we're doing because as I say it's required of us in this moment to step up to the situations that we find ourselves in.